Today we are here with Stephen. I'm a Catherine Watterson truther, y'all. I am here and ready to connect the dots and string some yarn up in my tiny one-bedroom apartment to understand where Catherine Watterson is and why she's being hidden from the public. And Sarah. Hello. Sarah, I don't can have you any do, hot takes yet. Can, Sarah, can you do a deep historical dive on uh, like B-list celebrities coming out strongly opposed to transphobic stances by the creators of the movies that they're in and the subsequent uh, shunning from the film? Is that like a thing that you would do like a smart first year's pod take on? Yeah, I could probably do that. I can't do it today. Okay, well <laughs> then what good is that? Um, <laughs> And today we are going to discuss, it is Catherine the Watterson. No. Oh, okay. No. no are we going to discuss, uh, never, just, go, just go ahead, go ahead, we'll get there, go ahead. So when this episode drops, it'll be the week before Secrets of Dumbledore premieres in the U.S. Specifying that because it will be out the week this drops in the U.K., which is just a weird decision to not drop them at the same time. Is the U.S. press going to run spoilers on that, do you think? Like, will the New York Times or, like, you know, Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter have, like, a review out on it because it's available in the U.K.? Or, like, I have no idea how that's going to work. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I feel like probably because, like... Yeah, you're the, the, you're the actress here. <laughs> why, why was I posing that question kind of sort of <laughs> vaguely towards Danny? We have a professional <laughs> actress on scene today. Yeah, my guess would be yes, because I think people are going to they're going to want to reach a wider audience. And then also the people who don't care about spoilers are going to want to know whether or not they should go see it. First question, then a good question to start on, Sarah. Do you want to go see Secrets of Dumbledore when it's out on April 15th? I do. Please tell us why he asks promptingly. (laughs) I okay I did a lot of prep for this podcast I rewatched both movies I watched the both trailers very closely and I had a lot of thoughts um and I posted a lot of those thoughts on TikTok um which my TikTok account is not spoiler free so I'm free to talk about whatever I like over there (laughs) and um I am excited if I can say excited about a new movie because I'm interested to see where everything goes at the same time I have certain reservations about certain canon that's being broken and certain things that I might not enjoy Um, but I'm still curious enough to actively want to go see it so Danny I have a string of questions that are vague off the top before we dive into specifics about the movie. Are you cool with me just kind of going on tangent here? Before you hit your tangent, what is your TikTok so that people can go see your spoiler filled reactions? Yes. My spoiler filled reactions on TikTok is the same as my personal Instagram handle. It is Farita Sarum, um, V-E-R-I-T-A-S-A-R-A-H-M. And Steven, you're, Ready to go on your tangent. Okay. I have two questions off the top based on what you just said. Um, I guess question one, we don't have to go too deep into them yet, 
because uh, I'm, I'm assuming Danny will, will get us there as we progress in this conversation. But what are the things that you are looking for in this movie that if all else kind of goes to hell in a handbasket, you know, if you see those things would make it a heavy air quotes, however you want to find good movie for you. Um, things that make sense. I can accept like weird things happening as long as it logistically makes sense at the end. Um, I have a whole list of like things that I think will happen or things that I hope to happen, but probably won't happen um, on my phone. Um, And we can touch on those later. Um, But for me, like as long as everything like logistically makes sense, like I'll be happy. Um, Although I don't know, given the fact that like in the trailer, we already see like Canon being broken. I am a little worried. So this is a question for both of y'all, I think. So Sarah, we can start with you and the Danny. I'm curious how you feel. I don't think anybody is projecting this movie comes remotely close to Spider-Man No Way Home or the Batman or any of kind of the top box office hits of, of this year, last year, you know. I don't think anyone's looking at this as like a, you know, massive hit, but let's say the movie does fine, does well, right. Doesn't, doesn't bomb either critically or box office wise, but doesn't certainly reach any plateaus. And let's say as reported, um, there's a chance that Warner brothers just sunsets the franchise after three here. Again, in, in a world where the movie does fine, are you okay with that? Like, is that, is that a cool decision? Are you going to feel like, Oh, there was more story. I wish I had seen where, where do, where do you fall on that? Again, not having seen the movie yet to, to react to the contents. Yeah. I mean, I have, I feel like I have mixed feelings on like this entire franchise because part of me, like I really loved the first one and then I really didn't enjoy the second one as much. And like that came from, even beyond sort of all of the information we get at the end of movie two, um, structurally, it didn't work as well for me. Um, it wasn't really as strong of a structure, I thought. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how movie three compares, whether they learned from things people didn't really like in movie two or whether they just continue to do whatever they want. Danny, how do you feel? It's not going to top the numbers of some of the stuff we've seen and will be seeing this year. It is going to have the benefit that it's not coming out against any big name movies. I just pulled the list and there's nothing that's like really like of note that it's not going to have to fight for an opening weekend. So if people want to go to the movies, it's, pro- it's probably higher up on the list for people to see. That makes sense. I'm curious to see where they take it. If they choose to end it at this movie, I hope they have filmed it in a way where it it ends and we're like, okay, most of our questions were good. I I don't want them to like end it and then must be like, what in the world just happened again? There's a lot of ground to cover. In there's a, a lot. Movie, I feel like. <laughs> and like, there's some things I'm like, if they don't answer some things, there's some I can pass with, but other things I'm like, you need to at least close up some of these loopholes. Cause there's a lot of loopholes that were left. And then 
with the like all the the length of time it's taken to have this movie and the rewrites I'm curious to see if they've made certain decisions and I don't know if we'll ever have the answer if they've made certain decisions based on fan reaction because like one of the things is like Bunty is very visible I'm like was that something because all of a sudden after the second movie there was this big like everybody loves Bunty thing which I don't think was necessarily expected and now she has a pretty big role in movie three. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm not going to answer the question that I asked, but just general thoughts here. Like, I just, so originally, listeners, important context, I suppose, for this conversation is Danny had asked us to think about the conversation in the context of theories that we had. And watching the trailer, watching some YouTubers who I appreciate, um, chief amongst them, Super Carlin Brothers. I was like, I just don't really care about a lot of like the lore or theories that like so far have been like presented in the films or that fans have brought to light. I just want to see a good movie. Like I don't like I don't. And for me, a good movie is something that is canonically accurate. Right. Like, I, you know, I we don't we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I just I want That's something that's a big that, one for these movies. It's a big one, right? And it's one that I think we everyone has talked about a lot. And there is a difference between the hyper obsessed Harry Potter fans like us and the more casual viewer, where like McGonagall being the chief example from the last movie, the casual viewer loves that fan service. The Harry Potter obsessive says that makes zero sense. And so I think depending on the podcast you're listening to and who is moderating that conversation, you get vastly different reactions to that type of canonical inaccuracy in service of fan appreciation, right? Um, like, I don't care about Mustafa Kama and his old family. I don't care about, I have to imagine for each of these movies so far, the writers and the producers have been sitting in a room saying, we have to do something really cute between an animal and newt. We just have to, right? And you got the erumpent, and you got all the creatures in the first one. Um, you got the little dance, that little, you know, butt shimmy that Newt does in the first one. In the second one, I suppose it's the Zowu. And then in all these trailers, you got Newt and Theseus doing the little elementary school crab dance that your PE teacher had you do across the cafe gymatorium floor as like exercise. And it's like, I don't need that. We've talked about this in the podcast before, Danny. I forget what episode, but. Like, I'm not here for the creatures, and I understand that's at least the kind of front door premise of what these movies are supposed to be about. But, like, I care so much more about the relationship between Grindelwald and Dumbledore, because that actually ties into the canon of the Potter franchise and explains the choices Dumbledore makes. All the other stuff is just extraneous, and I ain't here for it. So I have a thought about that going along with that, and I think you're right. I think... Part of the issue with the series is that they're trying to do a lot. And if you wanted to make a few movies about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, it should have just been about Dumbledore and Grindelwald. If you wanted to make a Fantastic Beasts series, then you just should have made a Fantastic Beasts series that just follows Newt around and seeing him discover and protect animals. I love the first one because... I love animals. And so I'm really invested in like the new animal side of things and the magizoology side of things. And so I kind of feel like these movies just should have been what the title is. 
Like it just should have been Newt and his animals. And if he wanted to make a Dumbledore Grindelwald plot, like it should have just focused on them. And also I have a lot of thoughts about the blood pact thing because one of the things that I hope we see in this next film is the emotional side of Dumbledore. Um, I think we are going to see, I think we're going to learn about Ariana more in depth. I think we're going to see some stuff between him and Aberforth. Um, But I do hope we get to see the emotional side of Dumbledore because that is what makes this Dumbledore Grindelwald thing so interesting is the fact that it really should be that Dumbledore doesn't want to go up the, go up against this really evil wizard because he loves him. <laughs> that is a much more dynamic and interesting thing to explore versus it being, you know, very like no homo. Um, it's just this blood pact we made. And now we have to like get all technical with magic to sort of figure out how to destroy this thing. And then I'm free to move against him versus it being like this really interesting internal struggle. No, that definitely makes sense. And it's almost so like with the trailer, because they already hit and I know it's part of it is nostalgia. But with the trailer opening, they pulled quotes from the Harry Potter series over images from a different movie of where the quote was and used the quote almost. Who who was the person that they whose voice they used for that? For those who haven't seen the trailer and are curious. Whose voice, Stephen? I'm asking you. Genuine question. Why did I just blank on his name? Because he's that bad of an actor and is should be irrelevant to this entire series. Michael Gambon. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Tomato. Throwing tomatoes. Tomato. Tomato. Karkaroff. Boo. Boo. Spit off camera. Boo. He's that bad. He's that bad. The fact that they opened the damn trailer with Gambin's voiceover. Okay, let's talk about the trailer, though. Danny, you keep going. I'm, uh, I cut you well, off. Well, it's just keep like going. they took a quote and they're using it in a way that it wasn't meant for. And I feel like it's a way to be like, oh, hey, you Harry Potter fans, you remember this. Let's well, yeah, well, well, that's I think that ties into what we were just talking about with the box office. You, like you said, that doesn't have a lot to go up against, which is true. I'm with you on that. But I maybe it's partially COVID uh, influence. Maybe my thought here is slightly COVID influence because like, I haven't been out in the world really. Right. None of us have for the past couple of years. I don't necessarily know how big of a draw there is for like a spinoff of the Harry Potter franchise right now. So as awful as Michael Gambon is like using his voice is smart, right? Because, and we maybe I'm, you know, making connections where none exist here, but like, you know, Dan Radcliffe just gave an interview, I think in the New York times for the movie he's doing with Shannon Tatum and, uh, was the actress in that doesn't matter for the sake of this she's a very good actress but for the sake of this it does not matter um and the, the reporter asked him like you did this cursed child you did this uh hbo max special chris columbus said he'd love to bring you back for cursed child and dan radcliffe made the point mind you a point that Stephen had where muggle and khakis has made on this podcast many a time that as opposed to star wars 
where a lot of the primary cast had about, you know, 40-ish years kind of between first and then, you know, the original trilogy and now the sequels, it's only been a decade. Um, and so never mind the actor fatigue. I think what's relevant, relevant for the conversation we're having here is viewer fatigue, right? Never mind all the JKR stuff and all that, which I think will tangibly impact box office sales, at least in the US. I don't know what it's going to do globally. I just think the series is still fresh enough to where we're like, yeah, this, this fantastic beast thing isn't great, but Potter is right there. I'm going to go watch that on my computer and my television rather than go to the movies. So I don't know. I think that, yeah. Do you think it's also harmful that we are sitting here on March 21st in the last week we've received the Dolby new posters, the IMAX posters. We still don't have a ticket release date and we're less than a month out. Well, that's a Potter obsessive thing. The casual fan doesn't care about that. I think that's something we care about because we want to be there for the first showing at Universal and City Walk at 9 p.m., you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but again, with the exception of Potter obsessives who are going to refuse to see this film on moral principle, and I'm, I wholly respect that, as we've said on this podcast many times, however you want to deal with the fallout from JKR, you, I support you on that, right? But the only people who care about tickets not being available like three weeks in advance are the ones like us who, you know, want to do some sort of, you know, Looney Tunes thing for it. Um, Sarah, you mentioned the trailer and you mentioned canonical inaccuracies. And when I was watching the trailers this morning, there was like one big one that jumped out in my head and now I can't remember it for the life of me. So I'm going to ask you to share what you had noticed in the trailer and hope that I can go, Oh my God, that was it. So uh, the floor is yours. Um, So the big one is, and this is from, you know, we saw this in movie two. Um, you can't apparate at Hogwarts, first of all. Going along with that, um, Jacob shouldn't be able to see Hogwarts. That um, was a thing. So, are... Yeah, so that wasn't the one I noticed, but go ahead. I like this one. There's something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, going along with that is that they give Jacob a wand. And at, when I first saw that in like the first trailer, I was like, oh, I'm not really crazy about that. But maybe it's because if they're going to be at Hogwarts and you're going to have a muggle at Hogwarts, they need to be like in disguise. And so give them a wand, right? Cause everybody has a wand. Two things going on with this one. We see the wand do magic, which doesn't make sense because in like, yes, wands have sort of their own magical essence, right? Because the wand chooses the wizard. However, I think wands like in order to do magic are intricately linked to the magic that the wizards themselves have and the magic helps and the wand helps them channel that magic into doing actual things. The second point on that um, is that there's a scene in the trailer where these students at Hogwarts like really want to see Jacob's wand. And he's like, no, you can't, you can't see this. Um, it's like too important or whatever. And I'm like, everyone at the school has a wand. Why is, <laughs> why is Jacob's so special? Um, and this is what I ranted on, ranted about on TikTok. <laughs> Um, is that wands are not a novelty in the wizarding world. Um, I can see like first years when they all arrive at school, kind of like talking about each other's wands and like, you know, the different cores that they have, all that stuff, because that could be really fun to like sort of learn what your friends is, what, what wand chose your friend, right? Um, I don't think that they would be as interested in a wand that Jacob has. Um, so those are just, you know, so I love this. I love this. That's great because none of this thought is muggle and khaki original by any stretch of imagination. I got this off Super Carlin Brothers, but you know, to the point about Jacob not being able to see Hogwarts, at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald, when the squad is on the bridge, 
Jacob's looking around and you can either interpret that one of two ways. Either he's kind of wowed and like, holy crap. Or if you really want to get kind of sneaky with it, he's like, why are we all standing at the edge of these ruins? Right. And so that one, I think, is a really I think there's going to be some sort of explainer in this film for that. And, and then we discussed that in the Secrets of Dumbledore rewatch. We did. Oh, with we Will did. Group. Good for we, us. We did. With that, that did come up. It's just been a few months since we actually recorded uh, it, and it could have been like ten minutes ago. I wouldn't remember it anyway. Um, the other thing, to the point about the wand, I really like that they've not made the wand a secret whatsoever in any of these trailers because. Going, but pre any of the trailers, there was a lot of buzz about is Jacob actually a wizard? Does Jacob have magic in him? Blah, 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 blah. And whether he does or doesn't, I think it would have been really easy to make that a huge reveal in the movie. And instead, what they've done is they've shown throughout the trailer any number of instances where Jacob is seemingly doing magic. I think what I'll say is there could be a slightly more nuanced reveal here, which is because Newt says that Dumbledore wanted him to have this, not Ollivander, not some generic wand maker. So maybe the wand is like spelled or like highly complex charmed to where, I don't know. There, I, I think there could be a more nuanced reveal there that where the wand is like, has some sort of restriction on it, right? To where it is function. Uh, but the other thing I will point out, and this is again, a super Carlin thing far from me um, is the author said like 20 something years ago in some interview in 1998 thereabouts, something along the lines of, I, I conceived this character who discovered that they had magic very late on in life. And that didn't make that journey any less powerful for them or meaningful for them. And across the Potter films, we don't really see that at all. Any character. So I, you know, I don't, who the hell knows, right? That was a quote from a transphobic woman 20 something years ago. Um, so I don't know. This is why this series confuses me though, because if you can discover that you're a wizard in like your forties, right. Doesn't that sort of defeat the whole obscurus plot line? Like, because if you don't have like, a, like a thing, to, like any sort of magical education, this is what happens. Right. Um, so I would be really disappointed if Jacob ended up as a wizard. I think it's much more dynamic and much more fun for him to be a muggle. And it also makes him and Queenie's like relationship much more interesting because that that's what the whole thing was about in the second movie mm-hmm. was that they can't get married because the laws say you can't, you know, um, you can't marry a muggle. So then that makes Queenie's whole plot line of like her joining Grindelwald completely useless if it was like, well, no, he's actually just a wizard. So this shouldn't have happened anyway. And oh, well. Yeah. Like, so, so the wand, so your thing about him at the table with the kids and the wand, again, if that wand is some sort of specially charmed thing, that would make more sense. If Dumbledore was like, hey, Jacob, I know everyone's got one, but yours is yours. Don't be showing it off. Right. I remember, though, the other uh, canonical thing. Danny, pop quiz. In Goblet of Fire. Dumbledore is walking, I believe, with Karkarov, maybe with Crouch. He's walking with someone in Hogwarts. I didn't look it up today, because why would I? Um, And he remarks that he once encountered a certain room when he really needed it and was never able to find it again. Do you remember what that room is? Requirement. Well, sure, but what was the room that he saw? The the bathrooms, wasn't it? 
Chamber pots. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. In the trailer, and then in that in Capital Fire, Dumbledore says, I was never able to find it again. I don't really know what's up with that. So the implication mm-hmm. there, and then the implication that we get in Deathly Hallows when Harry's going through the I can read Voldemort's mind thing, is that Dumbledore never understood or fully was able to find the room of requirement. In the trailer, there's that weird spinny tapestry trunk thingy. And Dumbledore is very clearly in the room of requirement. And Newt says, well, Newt it's the says, room we require. Yeah. Is anyone else like nervous that they're going to do a weird time thing with that thing in the room of yes. requirement? Because I'm very nervous. That was my it. first well, thought. I'm like, between the, time. Well, there's going to be that. And then there's that whole fucked up. And again, this is a super Carlin thing where Dumbledore's with Credence, who again is a character I don't care about for the sake of the story. They flip the, the 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 camera upside down, and then he's in a whole different meta thing, and um, I don't really get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm more nervous. curious about Fox than I am Credence. Like Credence saw on the okay. screen, but then I saw Fox, and I was like, hmm. yes, I was okay. more intrigued by that than seeing Credence. Can we? Again. Can we? Okay, I want to talk. I do want to talk about Credence, and I do want to talk about Fox for just a second. Um, but can you guys just um, tell me really quickly? Um, do you think the Phoenix thing is real or not? Like, is Credence actually Dumbledore or no? I don't care. I really don't care. Honestly. That wasn't the question, Stephen. No, no, but that's the answer because there's this whole debate that if Credence really is a Dumbledore, then Kendra clearly didn't die. Like, I don't care about any of that. I just, it doesn't impact anything because the end result is that Dumbledore still fueled out of the trauma of losing his mother and the sister and the whole thing, right? Well, what I it just, impacts is the entire canon that we learn about him in book seven. That's the thing. Like, no, but what I think, what I, least, go ahead. What I think is more important to book seven is his relationship with Grindelwald. That is the crux of it. Is was Grindelwald manipulated? Like, out was the relationship real? At what point did it become like that? To me, is far more critical than is Credence a Dumbledore? And how does that? How does he, at what point during the gestation period of Kendra Dumbledore would Credence have to have been that? Anywho, the Fox thing, my interpretation of that is whether Credence is a double or not, who, I, again, far, far afield for me. Grindelwald clearly knows this bit of lore within the Dumbledore family and is using the Phoenix, whether it actually is or not, my inclination is no, is using it as a propaganda tool. If Credence is a Dumbledore, I don't think he is a Dumbledore in the sense of a direct, like, sibling. Like, he may have the Dumbledore blood somewhere in his line. I don't think he's a direct sibling of... It just, it messes with too much and it causes too much issues, for one. Yeah, it really, it really does. And, like, and I agree with you, Stephen. Like, the more important part is, like, the Grindelwald-Dumbledore relationship. But because it's such a big thing in these films, like... And for me, at least it matters because I'm so confused over this entire Credence plot. Um, If I can open my notes for just a second. um, One of the things that was really getting me while I was like rewatching both of these films to prep for this podcast was that I was just trying to understand the timeline of events just within those two movies for Credence. Like, I don't understand why everybody was after Credence in the first one if Grindelwald didn't even know who the Obscurus was. Then I'm confused as to when he learned whatever about Credence to then need him and then to 
then either concoct the plot that he's a Dumbledore or find out that he's a Dumbledore. And then, like, I also don't understand, like, why Credence trusts the man that betrayed him in the first movie unless he doesn't know but like how could he not know um so I'm just like very confused as to like how that all went down and then I was like asking myself like why is Creedence so important because in the first movie like Grendelwald is like after the Obscurus because he wants to use it he has that line that's like okay it's useless without the host so it's like he wants to use the Obscurus against Dumbledore is my theory. But like, why put all this time and effort in to this one person? Like he should have either already known who this person was or like, when did he find this? I'm so confused. It doesn't make any sense to me. But also the two movies we have as a whole, like one is a standalone. You're like, I might be able to see past things. Then you add two and you're just like, what was that? Yeah, I feel like one as a standalone would have been fine because it was literally just about the beasts. Mm-hmm. And then this cool, like this new creature where we learn what happens to wizards if they're not allowed to use magic, which like connects back to like the Ariana thing and like makes a little bit more sense as a standalone um, with just that information. But then, yes, you're right. The second movie, A, isn't as strong and B, the last like 20 minutes gives us all this new information that does not canonically line up. And so makes absolutely no sense. So long as we're talking about uh, creatures, animals, and their lore within the larger story. One thing I am looking forward to. So stay with me on this journey here, people. I, and again, much like Princess Anna, I really want to be noticed by someone. And that someone is uh, Jay and Ben from Super Carlin Brothers. This is, again, something they brought up. Voldemort's specter hangs over these films pretty largely in that the first movie is set in the year Voldemort was born. 1945 is the year that Grindelwald and Dumbledore have their duel, which is two years after the Chamber of Secrets was opened by Tom Riddle. So conceivably, we could see that at some point. We could see a young Tom Riddle. And of course, Nagini is part of our story as a character. And so I, never mind the larger, I think, Voldemort story, which I think would be really smart for them to tie into because it's, again, something that everyone from the casual Potter fan to the three of us and all the other obsessives at the higher end of the spectrum can relate to from the original series. I I will be curious to see how the Nagini of it all plays out in that Nagini seems to be a, if not protagonist, at least neutral character. It doesn't seem to be someone who's naturally inclined towards evil or that for that matter, necessarily towards good, just seems to be a moderately neutral benevolent character. So I find it hard to believe, at least based on what we know now, that Nagini once she becomes full-on snake, voluntarily seeks out Voldemort. So I would love to know from this series how Nagini ends up with Tom Riddle. Because I I do think that's fascinating, right? Is this, you know, Voldemort doing Grindelwald cosplay, right? I, I don't know, right? And like finding any sort of magical connection he can to Grindelwald and Nagini being part of this battle, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. But I think that's something that's actually interesting to me. 
Yeah. I mean, I think Nagini definitely has to have a bigger role in this next film. She didn't really do anything in movie two. And if she's important enough to be cast and have a role in this story, I think we definitely have to see more of her um, and not just her sort of reacting to things and sort of, you know, being on the sidelines. I agree. Like she's too, she was used too much to just be a fan service name, but not enough to know what the plan is behind it. Well, especially because like if Nagini, like I'm assuming she keeps her consciousness when she turns permanently into a snake. And so then she's literally Voldemort's like right hand person. Um, in throughout Harry Potter once they meet in Albania. So it's like, what gets her to this point? Because she doesn't necessarily seem like she is entranced by Grindelwald at all. Like, she just kind of, she seems like a regular person. And not so someone how do you that get would, from point A to point B? Yeah, not someone that would just go around killing people. Nagini yes. is to Voldemort, what Voldemort is to Bellatrix. Have a think on that one, folks. It's because Nagini gets milked by Voldemort, but also Voldemort gets milked by Bellatrix. You're welcome. I can't with you. I'm just helping get congruency between the films here. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we've been scattershot here. Any other hyper-specific things we want to talk about, or do we want to zoom out a little bit as we begin to march towards the conclusion here? I don't have anything else specific. It'll be interesting to see Aberforth come into the the mix and just see that relationship, because that's a whole other side of Dumbledore, especially because they were not on the greatest of terms. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hope that we get more of, like, the darker side of Dumbledore in this next film, um, whether it's, like, through Aberforth talking about Ariana, because, like, they didn't really explain it in the Harry Potter movies. Like, they kind of just touched on it and then sort of trusted that the fans had read the books and sort of knew what that background was. Um, So it would be interesting to see Aberforth's take on it and maybe even Dumbledore's take on it, you know, when it's a little bit more like close, you know, since it's not however many years later. Yeah. Um, so yeah. This movie based on the trailers so far, and certainly the first two films seems to be pretty intentionally high on like pithy moments. So I'm curious, do y'all think, that there's going to be some sort of offhand joke about how Mads Mikkelsen looks nothing like Johnny Depp. Because I think there has to be, because he goes from being this like super sci-fi fantasy evil madman to being your classic Nazi in a film. Right. So this is under my things I want to happen, but probably won't happen in the next film is a reason for Grindelwald's appearance change. Um, Something tells me that, they, even though it would be so easy to explain like why he looks different, I would totally believe Grindelwald to just like change his appearance whenever he wants. It would make it a lot easier for I mean, him. We to already saw it in movie cops. one. Exactly. Um, so, but I have a feeling they probably will just pretend like everything's normal. 
That's my feeling too. I don't think they're going to address it. They're just going to move forward. I am in the minority here. I think they're absolutely going to have a throwaway comment. That's probably not going to land as funny, but they're going to try. Um, another potpourri question for me, who is the one random character whose last name or them themselves, they themselves uh, from the original Canon, are we going to see in this film? Right. The same way we got McClagan, we got McGonagall, Right, who, who who do we got in this one? A young corny fudge, perhaps. Uh, young Hagrid. No, Hagrid's too young. That wouldn't make. Well, it depends on when this movie is set. Hagrid. It'd be fun to see like a really like old generation Malfoy. That could work. Or the Potter who created Sleek Easy, Fleamont. My boy Fleamont Potter. Oh, Fleamont would be so good. Oh, like, I would we're, die. we're getting we're getting into like the late 30s, presumably, maybe even early 40s, depending on maybe 45, depending on when they set this film and what happens to the blood pack. So we're getting into the range where, again, Tom Riddle's a child. You know, we dip it and all the professors are at Hogwarts and, you know, names oh, that we recognize man. are around. If Fleamon is not in this film, even in passing, even if it's just like a poster for the Sleek Easy potion, I'd be like really happy. And it's smart because if they want to like connect it to Harry Potter, like the original series, that's a really fun way to do it for like the intense Harry Potter fans to know who Fleamon is. I think we'll get some obscure Death Eater names again. Just be like, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds familiar, but like nothing of like importance, but like, wait. Yeah, that, that's a thing for the fans that, like, really read the books. Yeah, that'd be fun. You think we're going to see ghosts? Because they're in Hogwarts. I would love to see more. Oh, are we going to see, a, like, a younger, nearly headless Nick? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Like, that'd be gonna, fun. Is he just going to, like, or, float through? Like, younger? Even How can a ghost be younger? <laughs> you know what else would be really fun? Seeing the Hufflepuff common room. That's a whole nother Hogwarts legacy conversation that I'm very excited to have at some point. Oh, my um, God, I know. But yeah, that would be cool. Um, I'm trying to think who's like Professor Sprout's like pretty old in the canon. So like we could see like little Pomona, Pomona. I don't know how you pronounce that name running around. Um, Alan Rickman, uh, young Snape. We could see child. Well, no, because Lily, no, that wouldn't work. No, you're... I always forget that they're the same age because, well, Alan Rickman's a lot older than the woman they had cast. Anyhow. Um, about Madam Pince just yelling there. Madam Pince and a super young squib filch getting <laughs> it on somewhere in London. Love it. Love it. Maybe we'll also, get Mrs. Norris. Also, seeing as we talked about Tom Riddle and the Chamber of Secrets opening and all that, I pointed this out on my Instagram. I just want to have this conversation here and then we can go and we can cut this whole thing. I don't really care. In Chamber of Secrets, whole different movie, folks. Welcome back to Harry Potter. The premise of that movie is that an enchanted book at a magical school where people can do any number of magical things that confound belief. A magical book enchants and kind of entrances an 11-year-old girl and has her, you know, unleash Slytherin's monster. Now, that magical book, because again, it's magic, could very easily just have her magic the words 
the Chamber of Secrets has been opened once more. Enemies of the Arab Way are onto the wall. Instead, the magical book says, nah, this 11-year-old girl is going to go kill some chickens and then use their blood to write on the wall. Wild. Here's, here's the thing. Voldemort is pretty extra. Like, he could have made a horcrux out of anything. Instead, he tracks down every single item from the founders of Hogwarts in order to make his horcruxes more important and to make a statement. Yeah, but isn't the statement the fact that you, the chamber is open and that the monster is moving about the castle? The reason she didn't wasn't it that she they had to kill them because the crow of like the rooster or whatever kills the basilisk. You're right. So she had right. to kill them so it wouldn't kill the monster. But, but hear yes. but hear me on this one. Chickens aren't inside the castle, and the basilisk is inside the castle walls. And last time I checked, castle walls are pretty thick. They're not motel six walls where you can hear your next door neighbor getting it on with his mistress. Castles are made out of stone. Also, how did they get plumbing into the castle walls? That's another thing. I know there's like a Wizarding World article on that one because there was the whole thing about when they poop in the hallways. Anywho, uh, Chamber of Secrets, for so many reasons, is wild. Wild. But Danny, that's what I got for this episode. All right. So before we close, what is something you are excited to see in the next movie? Let me pull up my list. So, well, these aren't like necessarily things I'm like excited about, but they're things I kind of hope that we get to see. I hope that we find out whether Lita is actually dead or not, because I feel like she had to have had a big, like, why get rid of her in one movie? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think we're going to find out whether or not this like Dumbledore Phoenix thing is actually real. Um, And so I was also looking at the Fantastic Beasts that we might see in this next film because I know the author likes to pull from the actual like mythology of places. I have, a, these are just my guesses based on like the ones that we saw in the trailer and I couldn't find a perfect match of like what these creatures look like. But in my list of possibilities, um, a manticore a wyvern, maybe a dragon, and maybe a yeti. We get those little crabs, remember? They do that little crab dance through the crab cave. Yeah, so like the manticore has like a tail of a scorpion. So I'm wondering if that's like... Well, then maybe that was the big thing that was in that... It looked underwater, though, might I say? Maybe it was just super hazy. I have no idea. Nothing, there was nothing I could find that was like a perfect match. Um, But this is just based off of like looking up the mythology of the different locations that they're supposedly going to. Steven, what are you excited for? Well, I put my hand up so you could share what you were excited for, but fair enough. Go ahead. Um, I will say one of the things that has been enjoyable about these movies is watching the magic that they create. Like it's more like a show and really cool effects, which the original movies did not have just because also they were just learning magic, no huge spells. So I'm kind of excited to see like the spell work that it's done. I know it's not something specific to like the plot or characters or anything, but I do enjoy watching some of those scenes where the magic is just happening. So I've got two things. I'm really excited for this time travel thing to occur 
where when they travel ahead in time, uh, Dumbledore is going to say, you know, we need to do this. How do we how do we move about? And Newt just pulls out of his briefcase. Well, Dumbledore, we can play Hogwarts a Legacy now available on my Stadia because product synergy, all the rage in the future. So I'm excited for that. The thing I'm really excited for, and I'm not pleased to the seven people that listen. I'm not trying to debate the Johnny Depp thing again. I wish legal issues aside, Johnny Depp was the best thing about the first two movies. I stand by that. But the reality we live in is Mads Mikkelsen is now Grindelwald. That's the reality I choose to live in because it is, in fact, the one that we live in. I am so excited for Mads Mikkelsen and Jude Law to just light up the damn screen. They, for all of the whimsy and like very subtle spry snark that Jude Law brings, Mads Mikkelsen is just full of cold death. Every role you watch him in, he is just icy. And so I am so excited to watch he and Jude Law just chew every scene that they're in, either together or separately. So that's my number one thing. So long as they nail that, I don't care if the rest of the movie is Credence wondering who his mother is or whatever the hell, uh, Nagini doing Nagini stuff, whatever. I'm, I'm just excited for that. Yeah, I, that's, I think, also another thing that I'm excited for is like the darker side of Dumbledore and hopefully the more emotional side of Dumbledore. Um, and then one thing I thought of as you guys were talking was I'm kind of I'm hoping that we see like another ministry of magic in a different country because I've really been enjoying seeing the different like government buildings in the yeah. wizarding world. Those are fun. Well, so this is where I forget what's been reported and what is just being random ramblings I saw on Twitter or Reddit. I know that they moved this movie away during the rewrite from Brazil, right? I don't think it anymore. I had read somewhere it maybe takes place in Germany or something. I so, heard, yeah, I heard like the UK, the States, Germany, Bhutan, and China. So Danny knows where I'm going with this one. If we're going to get a movie that takes place in the mid to late 30s and we're seeing German government buildings, boy, oh boy, it's not even going to be Nazi allegories. It's just going to be Nazi shit. I am excited is a weird word to use when talking about the Third Reich. I'm, I understand that. As someone who is a scholar of World War II and the German Reich, I am very excited to see the depictions of late 30s Germany in the wizarding world should we get that please do not send me hate mail I am Jewish the Holocaust was a thing that happened it was very very bad Nazis are bad I'm not saying anything to the contrary I'm just very excited to see this piece of time depicted on screen the end thank you for joining us Sarah and are just- we just ending on me talking about Nazis like we're not even going to try to like do anything <laughs> do you want to try to do it Where I do don't know you were very excited. I'm like, <laughs> welcome to our podcast where Danny always ends things at the wrong moment. Well, I, I'm fine with it. It's an odd note to end things on. Movie comes out next week. Maybe go see it. Sarah, where are you planning on seeing the movie and with whom? Um, I'm going to see it on the East Coast, and I'm probably going to go see it with my friends Nicole and Kate. Um, we went to Midnight Premieres a bunch with the original series, so 
Danny, who are you planning to see the movie with and where? You? Good answer. In Florida? So I think what we're probably going to do, depending on the release dates, which again, we talked about earlier, tickets aren't yet available for pre-order, but probably on the 14th at night, we'll see the premiere maybe down at Universal at City Walk. If not, we'll see it just somewhere near us. Yeah. Point is, once it's out, y'all, come talk to us. Again, creatingmagicpodcast at gmail.com, at creatingmagicpodcast, at Muggle and Khakis, always at Muggle and Khakis, because I need more followers, at Mandrakes and Mischief as well. Sarah is? For my personal, it's uh, Verita Serum on Instagram and TikTok for lots of spoilers, Harry Potter content. And if you want to follow First Years, it's at First Years Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And then we will record as soon as we were able, once we see it with an episode of our reactions. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Hi. Wow.